And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Startling monster horror tales of terror. It's a beautiful day in the crypt today, a beautiful day for a meteor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day for Cthulhu, oh, a neighborly day for a mutant. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you, so let's make the most of these old gods today. Since we're together, we might as well say, would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please won't you be my neighbor? Hello, neighbor. I'm so glad that we're going to be spending time together today. Today we're going to play with crayons. Can you say crayons? I brought a book today, and we're going to use our crayons on it. It's called The Coloring Book from Out of Space. And it's an alphabet book. Okay. A is for alpaca. Be sure to use your fur-colored crayon. Now doesn't that look nice? All furry. B is for big rock out of the sky. Now it's going to be tricky to pick a color for this one. Try picking the color that smells the most like burnt soul. C is for chong. Okay, kids, we're going to actually have to smoke this crayon. All right, before we start mutating too much, 
let's get on with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Honeywell. And in in response to some reader mail, we're going to pretend it's response to reader mail. We have decided to uh, watch a particular new movie, but it, when I say we, it's not just me. I am here with also the other three hosts. We've got the other Chris... Chris Tyler, part of the incredible two-headed Chris. I've had it with your drama, so do me a favor and get the fuck out of my sight, okay? No, actually, I'll save you the trouble, and I'll get the fuck out of yours. <laughs> that was great! That was yeah. really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All <Thank> right. <laughs> and we also have them Jack and Eddie boys forming the other the other symbiotic pair, <laughs> and uh, we've got Luke, Jack, and Eddie. I should have grown barley. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there's a million of them with this movie. And his brother, Jason Giaconetti. It's a pussy called G-Spot. It's brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Neither of you, uh, like, I had my lines in case I was going to end up having a line. And nobody, nobody thought to say, now, if you don't mind. We'll milk the alpacas. Yeah. That was my yeah. second choice. Yeah. Time, <laughs> so, time to... I, was, I thought someone was going to go with the G-Spot one. I was like, oh, God, this is... This is I was like, I got to go with the G-Spot one. No one said it yet. So... See, they, I thought they missed a spot not having the old Dunkin' Donuts guy time to milk the alpacas. Oh, <laughs> this has been a long time. Fred. And if you can't tell from that what we're covering, then I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. I'm going to put, you know, I'm sorry. So. The, I, I mean, right now, I'm sure everywhere around the country, people are organizing al- alpaca drinking games to go along with this movie. We are, of course, talking about the the now the new movie, but now becoming quickly a legendary movie, Color Out of Space, the 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 uh, latest H.P. Lovecrafted. Um, what's what's the director's name? Richard Stanley. Who I am now a fan of, and now I have to see his other movies because I've never seen Hardware. You saw the movie. Wait a minute, but you've. Yeah, I was going to say, you're a big fan of the the remake of Island of Dr. Moreau, where he, you know, kind of wandered off that set. I didn't know that. And then wandered around the island, right? Didn't he? Yeah, he like like dressed up. He got in costume as one of the creatures and, and stayed on the set to, like. Yeah, keep tabs that on documentary, it. documentary, the Lost Souls documentary, is outstanding. But you realize what a fucking disaster that movie was when they made it. <laughs> but, but Richard Stanley is well known, of course, uh, for um, Hardware, which Dad and I covered on a uh, an episode of Bots, Bugs, and Babes. Um, and Richard Stanley is then known for pretty much uh, disappearing for a yes. while um, because motherfucker went insane. Um, the other movie he's known for is Dust Devil, which was it's 92, Hardware's 90. Um, and then after Island Dr. Moreau, he probably, he was pretty much gone for a while. And then um, now he's back uh, and with with authority because Color Out of Space, um, a movie that was quote unquote unfilmable, he said, Wrong. fuck it, I'll do it. Yeah. Right? No, Wrong. Yes, yeah. 
I read, I well, read an interview so, with Drew Morg with him, and he, he basically was like, fuck it, I'm going to do this. And they're like, but this movie's unfilmable. He goes, I'll fucking show you. And well, he, here's, so. well here, here's, the, here's the thing about H.P. Lovecraft, okay? Because Lovecraft, Lovecraft's an interesting dude when it comes down to the stuff he act that he wrote. A lot of folks, and I'm not saying this to sound elitist, even though it's probably going to sound that way. It's not what I mean. A lot of folks, when you say H.P. Lovecraft, they immediately think of Cthulhu, and that's all yep. they think of. They think about the Elder Gods and stuff like that. Lovecraft wrote a very interesting breadth of horror and science fiction, and where Lovecraft hit his sweet spot was the melding of the two, with science fiction and horror together. And the, the uh, Now, the short story is actually called The Color Out of Space. Uh, they dropped the the, because you don't have movies start with the anymore, I guess, in Hollywood. Um, <laughs> But the, the color out of space, and and you can you can find this story just about anywhere. It's in the public domain, archive.org, Hoopla, wherever you want to find it. You can find. Uh, I think actually even um, if you go to Wikipedia, they have like w wiki citations. You can read the whole thing on on a wiki page. Uh, very very short story. It's only about um, I think it's only like 60 pages or something. So yeah, maybe yeah. considered a novella. But it's it's it very much is a it's it's in many ways the prototypical. Lovecraft story in that it deals with the blending of not just horror, but horror that is completely alien in nature. So it makes it science fiction, but then it puts it in, you know, in, in that um, very kind of bucolic setting in, in the middle of New England and in, in the forest, the old moldering forests of, of North America. So that's, you know, and, and that's one of the things it's so much of Lovecraft's effectiveness as a horror writer is not the splatter, the gruesome stuff. It's the mood. And that's, yeah. I think, one of the reasons why they said, oh, Colorado Space is, is a story that cannot be adapted. And but and uh, I do want to say this. Uh, Chris Honeywell said this was in response to reader correspondence. I want to give a shout out. Josh Ginter, who was a uh, emailer from uh, a few months back, probably more than a few months now, uh, the way that we are bad about doing email. He suggested, hey, why don't you do some more Lovecraft adaptations? In, you know, we did Reanimator, and now we're doing uh, Color Out of Space. So, Josh, thank you for for your email and thank you for your your feedback. But uh, yeah, but you know that the so what um, you know what what he's what Stanley's able to do here, and I don't want to I don't want to bury the lead here, but Jesus Christ, has this captured the the creeping dread of a yes. Lovecraft story? Oh boy, doesn't it? yeah. Uh, I mean, I yeah, I, I really couldn't think of another director. When I heard Richard Stanley was attached to this, because I've been reading about this in uh, Room Org and um, yeah, pretty much Room Org, because uh, Fangoria sucks now. Uh, but like, it's fine. Um, you know, they still they still owe me another ten issues because the amount of money I paid them, and then he never came back with it. <laughs> anyway, uh, the whole thing is like, so when I saw Richard Stanley's name attached, I'm like, well, this guy is like crazy enough to actually pull this off. Like, the director couldn't just be somebody who's a cookie cutter turn out the exact same movie that everyone else is making in Hollywood and call it horror or call it, you know, thriller. Like he, he couldn't just be one of the cookie cutter directors. You need someone who has enough vision and, and uh, balls to try to do something that even if this had fallen flat, which it certainly does not, this movie is actually outstanding visually and it makes perfect sense. I mean, things make sense in a world that makes no sense. Right. Yeah. Like you need somebody with enough guts and balls to go out there and make a movie like this. And I think Richard Stanley's in a very, you know, short list of people who don't give a shit. They like he doesn't. He's going to make the movie that needs well, to be made. He doesn't. It, it, whether the movie is 
going to be a big financial success or not. He's making the movie the way it needs to be made, much like he did with Dust Devil and much like he did with with uh, um, Hardware kind of thing. So he, he, I, I think what I saw an interview with him and the, and the impression I got when he was talking about it was he was the guy who would put the effort in to make it because mm-hmm. – the thing about it is one of the first things he they said, do you have anything to say for young filmmakers? He's like, yes, HP Lovecraft is in the public domain. Have nice. fun. And, 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 but he, he was basically like, they had a hell of a time selling the movie because yeah. nobody wants a movie where everybody is doomed from the beginning, you know, yeah. unless, you know, unless you dress like, a good example of uh, unless it's like hereditary where you're going to dress it up as an art film or something and, and sell it to uh, sell it to, you know, the art, the art film crowd who are already, you know, two inches away from slashing their wrists anyway. So they <laughs> love they love that 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 those dark endings. But like selling a movie where it's like, yeah, this doesn't work out well for anybody. And and like. And and at the same time, you have to make characters who are who you you feel sorry for, but it's not going to end well for him. As a matter of fact, it's going to end about as badly as it possibly can. <laughs> and and the thing about Lovecraft movies, I've noticed, is that's probably been a factor in them getting made in the past, because the ones that try to capture his tone are the ones that weren't that successful, and then the ones like Reanimator which take ideas from it and then tonally are just, you know, it's Lovecraftian in some ways, but like the tone is completely, you know, 80s <laughs> semi-comic, you know, crazy horror movie sort of thing. And that and those were the ones that that would sort of seem to sort of like Philip K. Dick, you know, you, you, you just sort of take the idea of it and, and turn it into something that just is never going to quite feel exactly like philip k dick but it has some of the ideas in there this one is i mean i guess you could call it like traditionalist or so or like this really like it takes the idea and the tone and run runs like hell with it yeah and this is, uh, the, most love, this is the most lovecraft this is the closest it is to reading a lovecraft story that i've ever seen put on film for lovecraft yeah, and right. and the, and 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 you would think that if it was going to be like that, it would be a period piece, no. but it doesn't. Updating wow. it really doesn't. As a matter of fact, a lot of the stuff that's go the 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 things about modern day are kind of delicious in this, like cell phones, like yeah, you know, the way cell phones are dealt in the, within this is great. It's creepy. And it also defeats that like, Oh, you could get away with all this horror stuff in the back, back in the day. But now that we have cell phones, you're uh, <laughs> now you pick up your cell phone and you hear garbled Cthulhu talk coming through it, you know? <laughs> so, Yeah. Yeah. I gotta the, say though, the first half hour, I was thinking I was gonna clock out. I, the 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 two older kids and the the hydrologist. In the first twenty minutes, I was not liking their acting at all. I was like, this acting is really bad. And then when it got, I think that might have been a conscious decision because once it got going, the you know, I mean, the the daughter is a splendid actor actress but by the end of this movie she's 
Yeah. Uh, I, I think he purposely made the first half hour of it a little awkward and, and, yeah, well, I mean, the family's awkward in general. I yeah, mean, it's, yeah. You know that you you just get the briefest hints of of what's going on. You know, with the with the wife having cancer, and clearly there's been a disconnect and a big move for well, for this yeah. whole family. Nick Nick can't get little Nick up for his wife after the yeah. after the mastectomy. Uh, I, I think I and think he's he does, getting it up. I think well, I, I, breaks I, loose. <laughs> right. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think it's so much that he can't. She has. Um, oh, there, there's a there's there's a there's a psychological term for it, but she feels that she's no that she's been mutilated, and so she doesn't. She she has become oh, uh, yeah. unable to do that. So he he's hot for it. He keeps telling her, "I've always been a leg man," you know, but. Uh, uh, but the yeah the, the the whole family dynamic in general is is so is so strange in this like you say it's it's all um yeah it's it's very awkward and and that, that's the other just looms over everything this podcast well, you know, but you know what here's the, here's, here's the thing though and and I was expecting you know modern day Nick Cage where it's just you know the bees oh my god the bees and he's not doing that this time he's got a better he's, he's got a better script yeah well he's he's definitely still Nick Cage and he's still odd but it's a very dialed down different performance well, he would do this. He, he would take then, it a little too far, like Nick Cave, Cave, Cage, and then, get a little too much. But then he would dial it back. Yeah. And when he and, dialed it back, it would get super intense. Yeah. That's but when you were like, the, oh yeah, he's a fucking great actor. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why he has an Oscar, you know. And and, and the other thing is, when you're hiring Nick Cage, you're hiring him for a reason. You're hiring Nick Cage to be Nicolas Cage. I mean, it's the same reason why I hire William Shatner. I mean, that's, you know, it does as... Or Marlon Brando. Or Marlon Brando. So by the time the things really go off the rails in this, uh, I mean, it's... Yeah. I I don't know. I was kind of of blown away by this. uh, I I was thinking about uh, this for days. Like, when I was done, I was like, wow, that was really good. And then I was like, wow, that, I wonder if those guys are going to like it. And then and then I started think, and then I just started my brain started picking at it for like three or four days. And then I started getting really curious. And then I was just like, "Ooh, I can't wait to find out. <laughs> well, that's yeah. the thing. Even it, if you it, didn't like this movie, there's stuff in this that's just fantastic you oh, know that I, it's yeah I, the I mean, it, it, it looks like a million dollars. Yeah. You know, it's yes. shot really well. Uh but again, it's the tone, the omnipresent dread, almost from the beginning with this. It, and yeah, that's drip, drip, drip. Oh, you know, and Second it's one. just a steady drip of that. It's like an IV of, of dread until it becomes bananas, you know. And, yeah. And it go yeah. and it goes there wherever wherever you know, like it would be hinting where it would go. It goes there and yeah. beyond. So yeah, well, it's like it's yeah. it's a disturbing it's it's it like I was thinking like, man, I'm glad I don't have a wife and kids because uh, right. this movie would be. Well, that's, you know, that's I'm more gonna, disturbing. Well, yeah. that, and well, you're you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right, because I do have a wife and kids. And so, in fact, I mean, I, I have four kids instead of three. But but they this very closely matches 
kind of the, you know, the, the dynamic of my, of my family and watching, you know, that, that's the, um, you know, that it's, 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 it's one of the things that when you, when you take it down and you put it on a, on a personal level, it, it really drives home the, the horrific aspects of all this. And it made it very, I mean, for me, this was difficult to watch because I, I made a note about halfway through the film. It said, weird shit is really piling up. And, yeah. and then, but the shit keeps getting worse. It, it just keeps going from bad to worse to worse right. to worse. And it keeps and, going and it never lets go. But that is, again, like Jay was saying, that's the way a Lovecraft story typically goes. It's not mm-hmm. like Lovecraft doesn't have a, you know, a, a, like a, you think about more of a, a traditional story structure where you have a climax and a falling action. Usually the climax is the very end of a Lovecraft story, especially his short stories, it just keeps getting progressively more intense. And this movie captures that. And then, yes. like I said, it, but even, and, and Chris, uh, you said it too. The movie looks amazing. This movie looks fantastic. I love the, I love just the lighting, not just like the, the production design with the, uh, the color itself. Yeah. At one point, um, you know, he, uh, uh, Nathan says, it's like no color I've ever seen, like no color I've ever seen. You know, because he first at first he starts calling it pink, but it wasn't pink, and that's yeah. you know that that that's a Lovecraftian thing too, something that we can't our conscious brain can't really can't comprehend. Can't put your finger on, you know? yeah, yeah. Can't describe and, fully out of but, metaphor. But, <laughs> yeah, but even even beyond that, just the way it's lit in general, you know, I, the the natural lighting in this, I love the natural lighting because it it gives it that that real setting right i mean even though this wasn't shot in uh maine it looks like new england you know and it really looks like a real place and you being a new englander you know what i'm talking about we were all from you know we're we're all from the northeast so we know exactly i went to visit my sister in vermont right and 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 i went to visit her in vermont and uh, and uh, well i wasn't visiting them i was taking care of their house while they were on on vacation and so I was got to spend a lot of time just sort of like, uh, they had a bike, so I'd pedal it around like these dirt roads and down these like walking paths and stuff. And I gotta tell you, and like I've been to Maine, but I was a little kid. But like pedaling around Vermont, and I grew up in northern New York in the woods and stuff. And you get that feeling in the woods, you know that you get that creepy old feeling in the woods. Vermont, man, was I was just like. Oh my God! No wonder Lovecraft wrote about and Stephen King write about this area because this feels like there's just like demons under the rocks here, or yeah, not demons, this, but yeah. just like, you know, like s- slumbering Cthulhu's it's, under. It, right. It's got an old, old like that's yeah, that's the old, thing with old New England feel to it's, it. Yeah. And you know, the, the and movie just captures that bucolic, you know, beautiful, you know, natural lighting and incredible detail you know depth of field and stuff but just creepiness from from every angle and and they use that he makes a a good conscious decision that at two points in the movie we a character named ward who we meet right at the beginning of the movie he is a hydrologist from miskatonic university because he's repping his alma repping his alma mater the whole movie Um, He gives us a couple of pieces of narration. And one of the pieces of narration he gives right, it's the first thing in the movie as they're showing like the establishing shots of the forest. And it's straight from the, the, the Lovecraft story. 
and it's west of Arkham, the hills rise wild, and there are valleys with deep woods that no axe has ever cut. And, and it goes on. There are dark, narrow glens where the trees slope fantastically and where thin brooklets trickle without ever having caught the glint of sunlight. On the gentler slopes, there are farms, ancient and rocky, with squat, moss-covered cottages brooding eternally over old New England secrets in the lee of great ledges. But these are all vacant now, the wide chimneys crumbling and the shingled sides bulging perilously beneath low gambrel loops. So that's what you're talking about, that, that old very old and so ancient that it's hard to sometimes comprehend even though it's the natural world and and i starting with that as soon as they said these the line that deep woods that no axe has ever cut i'm like that's lovecraft so yeah. that to me says that you're respecting the source material enough to know that there's power in the prose that lovecraft would use that this this is going to seem like a stupid connection but hang with me for a minute in the muppet christmas carol <laughs> the character of Gonzo the Great plays Charles Dickens, and that is there so that he can read Dickens' prose. And right. because Gonzo is there to, re to recite Dickens' prose right at the beginning to say that he was as solitary as an oyster and all the other examples throughout the film, that lends this credibility that they're giving credence to the words that Dickens mm -hmm. wrote and that they, that prose was important. It's the same effect here, obviously to a different end. But the same kind of cinematic technique when you're adapting something literary, especially something that you have an author whose style and choice of words is so powerful. And that works in both yeah. cases. I told you, I told you, hang with me. It makes sense. Well, it's <laughs> also a pretty powerful commitment because if you don't if you don't follow up on that, it's going to make you look really dumb. And yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. He, he, he definitely planted the the. Whatchamacallit. <laughs> yeah. He planted the whatchamacallit. Uh, the right whatchamacallits. At, right, right in their front yard. Yeah. What what I was what what I was constantly reminded of, and it was a comparison that I was making while watching this, was um do you remember when the filmed version of The Mist came out about ten years ago? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um and I fucking hated that. Um, I was like, this isn't scary. And then the ending, the way that it was presented, I understand what they were going for, but it was fucking laughable. And it came off as like a really dark comedy at the very end of that for me. The whole time I was watching this, I, you know, I didn't have that goofy, laughable feeling about the, the unseen things that were out to get everybody in, in the human drama yep. of what are we going to do. And this, this is a movie with Nicolas Cage and Tommy Chong in it. Yeah, of all people, you know. Yeah. It, and it's just, why? That's how I'm going to go out, too. I was I identify with Tommy Chong in this movie uh, obviously too much. But why was why was this able to to give me that feeling of hopelessness and dread and to and to not be laughable even with a, a an over the top a partially over the top Nick Cage performance where a Frank Dar Darabont movie with a significantly bigger budget not a high budget mind you but a bigger budget and more name actors couldn't I just like I, I was I was I like the the mist I I thought it it ca it was almost like um just like, sort of like Roman Polanski did Rosemary's Baby, where he just, where it was slavish. 
But so, and it being slavish, I'd read The Mist, you know, a bunch of times. So, but even that, I is... knew what everything that was going to happen, and it all played out like that. And I was like, this is really neat seeing, you know, a a, a straight up Stephen King ad- adaptation. And then the ending, like, was just like, I was just like, oh, geez, that that just sort of ruined the whole thing. But I never had any tension in it because. I sort of knew what was going to happen. Well, the ending of the book, the ending of that story in the in text is is very different. Yeah. Than, oh, that's the, the movie. That, that's, that's the thing. The end is where I, it was slavish right up until the end, and then the end he chose for it was just like, just kind of show offy nihilistic, and I always like that. And always kind of seems cheap to me. Well, I've usually got no problem with that, but it's just the way that it was presented. Uh, you yeah, know? it didn't. It didn't. It didn't work for me. It worked for I, a lot of people. That was just like it was crushing for them. And when I saw it, I was just like, "Oh, geez," you know. I was watching Stephen King at work, and then I was watching Frank Darabont's idea yeah. at work, and, and his idea wasn't great, as good. And usually, that's a great mesh, you know, because I love the other two that they've teamed up on. Right, so. right. But um, I think this one worked. I mean, it's a fantastic script. It's the actors and actresses all go for it. You know, nobody's, everybody's, you got to give 150% of this because when the shit, you know, but even building and this, oh my God, like the, the parallels to how this does like grief and mourning and awkward family so much better than hereditary and while being bleak. Bleak, bleak, bleak till the very end, but at the same time having enough lev- levity or a little goofiness or something in it to give it like life, you know, to yeah. to, to, to it, the whole thing. And it's and, just the, the the little things like when Nick Cage from the very as soon as that meteor comes down, he starts having he keeps smelling something. God damn, Jordy! He keeps smelling something. Yeah, I got that a little bit too. But uh, he keeps smelling it, and then there's just a drop line later on, where he's like, you know, the smell, the smell of the smell of a hospital and cancer or death, and it's just like so. It, it, it and he just, can't just, get it out of his nose. I've had yeah. that happen to me before, though. I had that happen with a burnt veggie chili oh, that man. we were doing at work for the <laughs> Lilith Fair. We had to oh, make God. 75 veggie, pounds of vegetable veggie, chili for the chili. Lilith Fair. And, oh boy. And, and my friend burnt the bottom of it. Oh, and no. Then, and then he was like, oh, shit, we burnt it, so we can't mix it up to cool it down. Because if oh, you burn shit. the bottom of it, if you don't mix it, you you can sometimes save it without getting burned. For it. So he put it in the walk-in cooler, covered up, and it was 75 pounds of boiling hot chili. Oh. So in the walk-in cooler, it just turned to perfect brewing, like... This brewing thing with the center all warm. And then when I came in in the morning and sloshed it around, it went big bubbles came out. And the smell went into my nose that I could not get rid of, like burnt hair and death and and gas, (laughs) brewing gas. And and every once in a while, like I would blow my nose or just I would inhale and I would just get another blast of that smell and be just like, oh. As, as as lovely as that is, if That's I could make just an, on all kinds of levels. Yeah. Can I can I just make it can I just make an aside? If yes, you're sir. ever making something like that that has a sauce or a gravy or something like that and you burn it, um, a trick, if you can transfer it to another pot, mm-hmm. 
Add a little yeah. bit of sugar, like oh, about a teaspoon uh. at a time. Mix it in. The sugar will counteract the the bitterness of the burnt taste. The burnt taste, yeah. Yeah, once and you it'll burn, take it out. Once you burn tomatoes, though, you're kind of fucked. It, that's it, what, that, this tough, was burnt tomatoes can, and beans at the bottom. Well, of that's it. what I'm saying. That the, I've I've little bit of sugar. Just put it out there in the universe. But yeah, but you're right. The the uh, the way that out, they we would have poisoned like three quarters of the little affair. We would have taken. <laughs> Why it didn't out. you? Please, Ronnie DeFranco. Oh, we would have taken out <laughs> Emmy Lou Harris. Oh, oh, like you it. know, you were you were saying that it smelled like burnt hair and death, and I'm like, oh, so Lilith Fair. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't have noticed, but they would have died on the road you know, down the line. But uh, again, Lilith Fair notwithstanding. Um, the other thing about this, the other thing about this movie is that it doesn't. I, I said earlier that you know we think about Lovecraft a lot of time. We only think about the the the, the, the monstrous aspects of it. But this movie doesn't shy away from that either, because the nature of the color <laughs> is that it's it's corruption, right? And so, again, it's almost like it's a cancerous thing that's spreading and corrupting living cells. There you go. But um, the uh, and and I know I know this has got to be intentional. But cheese and rice, the alpacas all flopping around together with no skin and their, yeah. their eyeballs staring at you and their teeth. It's like somebody watch Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, the dogs oh, 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 in oh, that the, big mess. Yeah, the dog. Yeah. yeah. The way the dog acts. Well, the type of dog and the way he acts, the way he walks yeah. around and stuff is right. I mean, this, I mean, I've got my list of like what this movie's got in it. It's got Thing in it a couple times. It's got The Shining in it with, yep. you know, Here's Johnny and him around, and it's got a. If you've ever seen Annihilation, it could have been. This movie could have been a lot like Annihilation, but it, they have very similar things, and in, including but, like but colors floating quick. around, and you know, in a, in an area where something is where a meteor has crashed. But they managed to be completely different movies, but it's still got elements, <laughs> and of course, Lonesome Death of Jordy Verrill. And yes. even 2001: A Space Odyssey in a horrifying way, but it, yeah. you know, right, and it pulls it all off, you know. So yeah, the I, thing I, is with, with Annihilation, real quick, is that um, actually uh, Annihilation, even though it's based not on technically, it's not based on uh, Color Out of Space. Um, the story of Annihilation is actually based off of the Lovecraft story, and when they filmed the movie Annihilation with uh, Natalie Portman. They purposely tried to tie in some of that Lovecraftian theme into it, even though it's not it's not mm-hmm. it's not the exact same movie. But they but he, I mean, I was reading something when it came out. They said, well, look, we're trying to tie in this is before Color Out of Space was even being made. Um, they said we're trying to tie in part of the Lovecraft theme here, even though we're taking inspiration from and they had mentioned Color Out of Space. And it's ironic because when they had mentioned that, I said, well, I'm, I, don't, I, I said I've heard of this before. Uh, the story, obviously, kind of thing, but I didn't know they had ever done it before. But they'd actually had tried filming this other times unsuccessfully, and kind of they, they kind of just go way away from it. But besides this movie, there actually was a short made this year. Uh, I want to say it might be Germany, somewhere over there, called Color Out of Space, and it actually came out before this movie. So a lot of people, when this movie was hitting uh, TIF, the um, whatever TIFF stands for, Toronto right? International the, Film, Film Festival. Festival. Thank you. Right when it hit there, they thought they were getting, they were seeing the the short film. Like we've seen this already, and they said, no, no, this is the new Richard Stanley movie. 
And it's so crazy to think that you have two different indi- people independent of each other making the same movie, you know, um, at the same time. That's so. why public domain is so awesome. You know, yeah, there could well, be 50 color out of spaces, although it's now now he's he's definitely drawn a line with this one. Yeah. I, I heard he's got the go-ahead for the Dunwich Horror. Dunwich Horror, yep. yeah. yeah. Dunwich already been greenlit. They're, they're, yeah, they're already hey, in the process This, this made the amount of money it needed to make, and then they immediately greenlit. He was already, like, working on it just in case that happened, too. So, And I guess the hydrologist is going to be the through of all three yep. movies. Okay. Yep. Yep. Well, which well, makes sense, because he's a yeah. character that would go where he's needed, you know? Yeah. Well, he was kind of— study. He was kind of like in this movie. He he avoided a, a lot of the craziness, but and he was kind of like you know the 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 greenhorn, you know, just sort of you know happy go, not happy go lucky, but you know, and he sort of gets out of the movie unscathed, but he doesn't. Mm, so we're gonna really. see that no, his mind is is bent, and so we get to see him through the three movies. He's probably going to become. More and more like someone, a character like Constantine from Swamp Thing or something like that. You know, he's gonna, he's, you know, he by the end of the third movie, he's gonna be like the things I have seen. I'm killing Earth, but uh. So okay, so one of the things I want to talk about because I have, again, like Luke said, as as a having a family, you know, you kind of have a different take on you know how things are happening and like the, the you know the Nicolas Cage kind of loses his mind and all that stuff like that right so one of the other things that I've you know had to deal with obviously you guys haven't um you know now going going through the idea of you have you know you have something inside you is trying to kill you and then you're, we're going to put poison into your body to kill what's trying to kill you but we're trying not to kill you yep. with this poison um the, the other problem is, and this is something that doesn't get talked a lot about because you're, you know, you're not supposed to talk about this stuff because you're a guy and these things don't happen, whatever, is the, the when you go through high level, high, high level chemo, um, it actually can fuck with your brain, like the, you know, the way you pr- process thoughts and the chemicals and stuff like that in your body to the point where, like, you literally say things, you're like, why am I saying this stuff? Like, I don't mean this thing. Like, you just, things that come out of you. And as you see... Nicholas Cage in the movie and again he's he's he wants to be a loving father and he's trying to be understanding and all this stuff and then once the meteor hits you start seeing him starting to come unraveled and he starts becoming his dad I guess that's what they're trying to channel that he's he's you know we see when he says those things that he just he starts kind of losing his mind you're like okay here's somebody who's losing his grip on reality and even though he doesn't want to do these things he just is doing these things and you're like okay well this is now I mean it, it could be it could be taken as a metaphor for you know mental health. It could take it a metaphor for whatever. But it's literally as the color is trying to re, it's trying to change everything to what it thinks it should be, the way it is on its planet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, yeah. It starts bringing hit, bringing parts of him out that might not have ever been out there. And it's not saying that <clears throat> that necessarily that's who he is, but you start bringing out the worst in people. Yeah, and. and- and you their know. sense of time and space are thrown off, so they don't yeah. know, you know, that not, not, it's almost like you're watching it in in a more or less linear way, but for them, it's not unfolding in a linear way. And it's like there's a really good scene that sort of clarifies that, that they don't even, 
you know, a, a lesser movie would have would have ha actually had that scene and not done it in exposition, but it works so much better with exposition in this one where the daughter and the son are talking and, you know, and you can tell something's like things are crazy because of the way they relate. They're relating. They'd always been, had a tension between them, but now they're sort of like trying to work together because it's berserk. And he's like, I was out in the woods walking around. I don't know how long I was walking around. I didn't, I, you know, I was like 500 yards away and I got completely lost and walked around. I don't know how long I've been out there for, and, and the way he said it, it could have been weeks, <laughs> you yeah. know, he could have been just wandering through the woods trying to figure out where his weeks. And it seems like people have like, maybe like after a while they you know, they start having maybe like 10 minutes worth of active memory before their brain resets again. Cause it's just, you know, and, and, you know, we've all seen enough movies like this and are familiar enough with Lovecraft to know where it's going. And that's what I like about Richard Stanley too, is, he knows his audience is ready for the Lovecraft stuff and is prepped for it. So he, there's a lot of like legwork done and he can actually present it instead of, instead of like, Oh, it's a new Spider-Man movie. We got to have the, the origin again, you know? So right, right, right. nothing has to be sort of explained about things going crazy. We we're, we know about things going unhinged in a movie. We got Nicolas Cage there to tell us it's that's going to happen. I mean, and, if you think and about he, it, in he, this film, do they ever actually tell us what's actually happening? Like no. they allude to things, they get around things, and you start filling it in because of what you're saying. Right here, you're saying they never come out and say, "Well, clearly this meteor hit Earth, and this caused this, and this." Like they start, they give you yeah. pieces of it. But well, never I all think. I think like with movies like this, I think the best way to handle it, if you're the this is the way I think they did it finally, is the director and the writer and the actor, everybody involved in the movie might know what's going on in this, you know, what, what the, what the physics of it are and stuff, but they really have no interest in communicating that to people. There's no need to communicate that to people but you can use the effects of it to have weird things happening and you know it so it gives you ideas for it but there's no reason for the it's better for the audience not to know what's really happening because that would right. if if it, <clears throat> you know if it had some scientific explanation that had to do with bending their brains in times and space that's not scary at all you know or as scary you know or as you know, it could be, you know, it, for all we know, it could be a malevolent thing with a personality that talks to the kid, but that could be the kid talking to himself. It doesn't matter. All that matters is shit gets worse and worse and worse until it can't get any worse and fucking everybody's dead. <laughs> and yet and it that's keeps it. getting it's that worse somehow. Yeah. And it's a, that was what Lovecraft seemed to want to, like, communicate. That was seemed to be his thing to communicate to the world was... The, the creeping inevitability of death and not only that, but like, you know, somebody was waiting to eat your soul when you died too, when you inevitably died. So somebody much older and bigger than you and, yeah. and science fiction wasn't about wonder and that it was about, you know, and I mean, Lovecraft mm -hmm. is, is famously was like, a, like 
not a fan of like say immigrants <laughs> and stuff like yes. that. He was he yeah. was a very like weird homebody type person and like and so there you you know that's that's what that meteor was and that's what happens when a meteor hits is you get Jordy Verrold, buddy and and like Chris Tyler and I, I it's well known on this show that our kink is when kids aren't safe in a movie yeah. but this takes it another you know like a kid yeah. getting, kid getting thrown in a barrel and then chucked off Niagara Falls is is hilarious always the happened the stuff that happened to the kid in this movie i was just yeah. i i was just thunderstruck that they went there yeah this and, this, this actor looks like my 16 year old nephew oh like no ringer so i was just like ooh, i was white knuckling during some of those scenes but, man but they they set it up where it could just be the standard like where he i, I was like okay they're gonna have it where the kid's the focus of it you know because he, he's young and like you know that's always in the, those movies a little kid is always like the most open and like oh hi hi captain howdy <laughs> my friend so you know so i was thinking that's how that's how he's going to escape he's not nobody's gonna escape their fate but he's going to escape like the just the you know cronenbergian horrors that that await everybody but nope not at all yeah and uh yeah yeah and it comes out of nowhere the, the way yeah that and again way. like like you know like we the jay and i both said earlier that whole portion with um with jack and uh and Teresa is to me was just it was very difficult to watch all of grueling. it it was yeah. grueling it really the was. only relief i got in that was when the big practical version of him lumbered yes. across the seat from the shot from the ceiling because I was literally like cheering going like, yes, it's a big practical. It looked like yeah. an eighties movie effect, but they oh. made it enough. Mo it was just something about the, that was just wonderful. It was totally unnerving when they get yeah. to that final reveal of the, beast with two backs there if, oh god if if, if, the, if that shot from the ceiling had been of a a, a a cgi effect it would not have been if that whole sequence had been done in cgi it could have been more gross but it wouldn't have worked like no. it does in this movie and it's just oh yeah it's very very real very tactile at it's, that point. It's, it's the non comedy version of um um society <laughs> yeah. in a way. Yeah. You know. No, but and but they but they make good use of the CGI. The um after that, when we're getting into the, the final, the the real um you know, when shit's really hitting the fan, when Ward finds Lavinia and he looks in Lavinia's eyes, and that's where we see the stuff that I think a lot of people were expecting. Yes. You know, that's yeah. when the really cosmic stuff starts going. Yeah. That is a great use of CG because that is something you couldn't have done. Yes. 25, 25 years ago. You couldn't have done that before. I always put the benchmark at Jurassic Park. That's the one that made CG feasible for the masses. Before Jurassic Park, you couldn't pull that sequence off with physical effects and have it look even remotely reasonable without looking like Muppets or something like that. Whereas yeah. that is a great use of that. Jay, you talk about this all the time, especially on your other show. CGI is just another tool in the in the toolbox. 
and he used the right tool for the right job. Here, creating the the beast physically, but then that that vision, that cosmic vision, out of mm-hmm. CG. Again, it not only uh, sells the tactility of the monster, but it sells the otherworldliness and the unreality of the world that Lavinia, it, that that Ward sees in Lavinia's eyes. Oh and my at that God. point, go ahead, Chris. Yeah. Beetlejuice. <laughs> yeah. That's what that remind. I, it reminded me of something, and that's what it was. Like Beetlejuice. It was the worm. Yeah. It was seeing the wormy thing. And, yeah. Whoa. Sandworms. Sandworms. <laughs> You've been to Saturn. I've been to Saturn. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but again, that by that point also, the so much has so much crazy shit has happened that you you you're you're not you're almost becoming numb to it because it's like what else can can happen here, and then the shit that starts happening to Ward after that, you're like, is he not? You start questioning is if Ward's gonna make it. Ward, who has nothing to do with any of this. Right. You know, who really is like almost the Greek chorus because he's the one that goes and talks to the other characters, you know, but, but, and so it's like, gee, is, are they really going to just end everything? And, and at that point you're, you're buying into it. It's, it's so nihilistic that it's like, yeah, yeah. this really could just be the end of all of this. Yeah. And then well, the, at this, but, at this yeah. point you've, you have been totally reminded several times that, yeah, that Stanley's, willing to do it <laughs> he's willing to do whatever so by by the end yeah it could have been any you know it, the world could have just like you know disappeared up its own asshole and i would have been like <laughs> oh yep that's the end that makes sense <laughs> yeah yeah there's every bit the way it does end is just again just hitting you with that lead brick of dread just this absolute foreboding that nothing is going to be the same again. Not only for, for Ward, but for the uh, the area around Arkham. <laughs> so yeah, it's like at, at the very least. Yeah. The other thing yep. too, the other one thing I I think and Luke made a good point there. We talk about the physical and then the CG and stuff. The obviously the the alpaca uh, you know uh, thing in the in the barn had to be physical to make sense, but that when when the lightning comes out and merges the you know the the the, the little kid with the mother when they, they merge into the what they are but just when that happens like you're thinking like okay what are they gonna do here like you're just reaching out is it gonna like be tentacles like because I I'm thinking like how are they gonna pull this off where it's gonna make sense and the idea that it's lightning and it's truly all the lightning is what's striking it the whole time yeah. But could you, you know, that's not something you're going to pull off of the physical effect. You know what I'm saying? Like right. that had to be CG. That had to be whatever. The colors had to be so insane. The colors in the movie are so vibrant, which I think plays really well against the, you know, the, the, just the, as you guys are saying, the old forest, the old trees, the, the greens and the grayish colors of brownish colors of everything. It's so vibrant and so different that it lets you feel like it, it allows you just with the colors alone to kind of like feel different things. You're looking at it going, yeah, it's just so like without even probably meaning to be like invoke a feeling, it gave you that dread. You're like, okay, this is wrong. Like this is yeah. not supposed to be here. And when, and when, when it first happens, you kind of, it's kind of like, remember, um, um, Oh, what the heck? Close kind of the third kind. Like when when the is that when the little kid throws open the front door and the lights yeah. are there and it's yes. like all crazy right and you're like what is this is wrong this isn't supposed to be here 
Yep. But this is even more wrong because now the colors are so different. It's so anti what's happening. It's so opposite of everything. So, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's hard to describe this film. I mean, again, to be honest, folks, is that you really need to see the film to understand. A Lovecraft it. film should be hard to describe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no. I'm, I'm saying I understand that. We're all talking about how great it is and how powerful these yeah. things work and how these things. But you truly have to watch it in, in one sitting. You can't. You can't do this like watch ten minutes, come back. You can't be distracted. Like I said, I started watching it when I was at school, like during lunch, and I'm like, I'm not. I'm not kind of following anything right now. So I stopped it and I watched it one morning when I got up, when, when the girls were, were out, I literally, when I had off, I just sat down and watched it straight through and I'm like, Oh my God. Okay. Like now I totally get this. I really you know, wish I'd seen it in the theater. Boy, oh boy. It'd be great on well, a big screen. Did, yeah. I don't know how no. many places it ever played. So no, it I mean, was like on theaters for a limited run. And then I think it was that it was like streaming almost immediately. Yeah, which is which is too bad. This is made for big screen. Yeah, I mean the thing is the movie didn't even make it, it made about like about seven hundred and you know seven hundred sixty seven hundred seventy thousand dollars total. It didn't make a lot of money. Um, it was it hit theaters. It was in it played at the Toronto Film Festival um, back in September. It didn't hit theaters till January. It's on Blu-ray the 25th of February. So it was one month after it was quote unquote released. It's on Blu-ray. So, you know, it's been available streaming and stuff, but it's one of those things that, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. It'd be great to see this like on like the IMAX on like the big screen with, with the, because, because then the music itself with the music. And that's one we even talk about too. The soundtrack to this is phenomenal. Yeah. You know, I think it, it, it totally fits the entire theme of what's happening. I think it's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's a, a full sensory experience that you have to, and you kind of like get yourself immersed in what's happening. The visuals are stunning. The music plays perfectly. Um, the, the fact that you are watching people descend into madness for real, it seems like you're watching them really go crazy. Then you're like, well, this could totally happen because it's not like cartoony crazy, which so I think sometimes happens with Nicholas Cage things. Um, but at the same time, he's starting to kind of go nuts. You're like, he's, like, like when, when, when he's picking all the vegetables, he's like, oh, my tomatoes came in and they're a month early. And like, how big they are. And it's like he's losing his fucking mind over them. And then he goes crazy and starts biting everything. And this is, and he's throwing it there. And I'm like, I know what's happening here. I've been there where the rage, you can't stop the rage inside of you. It just cannot stop. Well, he's Not also been been set up as like okay he moved to the country and he's like a city boy who's in the country so right. he it's it's the total green acres thing where he's like i'm gonna raise he raises alpacas you know and he, he's oh, he's he's just not good at being the country guy and stuff like that and then when he starts going crazy then finally when he gets his tomatoes to grow they're like they t- taste like tomaco <laughs> well, but the thing is this too that's what that's one of the things i'm wondering because he bites into every one of them, and he's saying they're all taste horrible. I wonder if they. I, I bet they didn't. I bet that's the whole point. I bet they tasted exactly like they're supposed to, and it's just his. Because he has that smell that no one else. Can yeah, smell. it's that smell. It's like, yeah, it's him. He's starting. It's all the things that are starting to break inside of him, and I'm like, okay, like I, and it's it's sad to say that, but I truly understand the idea that like the the 
un, not just uncontrollable rage that he's feeling, the anger he's feeling, but it's not warranted. There's no reason for it. It just comes out of nowhere. And it's like the men mentally breaking down and not being able to um, see, see what's real and what's not real right in front of you. And it's just as crazy because then his wife's like, well, fix the, fix the dish because all she cares about is her clients. And he's like, and the fucking things taste like shit. And, and it's like, what? What are we even watching here? It's like as if you're literally watching two different scenes at two different times in the movie happening together. But they're within, they're, they're reacting to each other. Yeah. But at the same time, she's talking about something that's totally different than he's even, re she's like not even reacting to what he's doing. And you're like, Yet, because she's so focused on what she wants to do, everybody. He's so focused. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah everybody yeah, yeah, gets yeah. focused because remember the daughter at the beginning. She's doing like a Wicca ceremony. Yeah. And it's totally cheesy and stuff. And and by the end, she's like, "I can save this whole thing through Wicca," and it's just like. Cthulhu has chunks. Yeah, Cthulhu has oh. chunks of Wicca in his stool every morning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's just, it just, the, 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 it's again, you have to see things to, to kind of. I mean, we talk about movies sometimes. We're like, oh, and we tell you all about it, whatever kind of thing, you know. And it's like, and it was a lot of fun, and we had good laughs and stuff. And I didn't laugh. I mean, the, like, I, I know I let in with the G spot joke, you know, like. There's like, amusing stuff in it. Yeah, but it's not. But it, you weren't like laughing. Like it's like okay. No, it's it. it's like, it's know. not as much like humor as it is, and it, 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 it's what what lacked in like hereditary is like humanity. You know, there's yeah, yeah, like yeah. real human moments where everybody isn't just complete. You know, there's <laughs> moments where everybody gets to be relaxed and be themselves here and there. You know, I think Tommy Chong was there to sort of <laughs> be that that center spot where people could just sort of sit down and like talk in a relaxed manner. For a while. <laughs> yeah. I can honestly tell you, though, his role in this is great. He's great. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he really is. If, if you want to believe that there's some guy squatting in the woods in a shack, yep. <laughs> I well, got I it. Guess, That's him. <laughs> I guess Richard Stanley based it on somebody he knew. Or yes. that he'd met <laughs> that had lived, lived out in the woods for like 26 years and stuff. And, and the way he put it was funny. He's like, well, of course, he lived out there so long without female companionship that he was starting to wear a dress, as if that was just the, the natural, <laughs> the natural way, thing the way things go. And it's like, wow, Richard Stanley, you've really thought about that, you know. Richard Stanley, if you ever see, like, on YouTube, a nice long interview with Richard Stanley, they're well worth watching. He's very, very interesting, you know. He's a good storyteller, and he doesn't just give Pat you know his pat answers or he doesn't just like sell his movie he actually he actually gives forth real human conversation and they're really fascinating to watch i've been like mini obsessed with watching richard stanley videos since watching this movie yeah. and that's one of the reasons why that he was uh, kind of ostracized out of things because he doesn't just do what other people want him to do like he makes the movies he wants to make I and mean, let's be honest for those of you who don't know, Hardware, also known as Mark 13, was taken from the pages of Heavy Metal. It's literally a, a story right out of Heavy Metal, you know, kind of thing, with, with, where the robot goes crazy and he's trying to kill the woman and the thing. And it's like, people are like, well, you know, that's nothing more than the Terminator. I'm like, that you've never seen it. Because when you watch the movie, you're like, this is nothing like the Terminator. Right, like, right. You know, kind of thing, like, this is, this is nuts. And the same thing with Dust Devil and whatever. Like, you kind of look at his stuff. 
but he wasn't making the cookie cutter movies that were made in 1990 91 and 92 and 93 like the same stuff that everyone's making that was making the exact same profit and everyone's just kind of doing and if he wasn't doing it then and he kind of got pushed out after uh the whole debacle with the island of dr moreau right he kind of was pushed away from things and the problem was no one wanted to bring him back because they knew that they weren't going to be able to control him you know it's kind of like um um there's a little warner herzog to him yeah okay. I, think. I, was, I, was, I was trying to think i was trying to think what i was, I was going to say boz lerman but i was trying to, it was warner oh, herzog. yeah 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 but i'm saying but it's that he's he's gonna make the movie he wants to make right as whether the movie's a success or the movie's not a success financially yeah. isn't as important as making the movie that we need to make to tell the story that we wanted to tell you know um, well, maybe he's maybe he's like a reanimated corpse where he's like, I've already died once, okay? I already had my career get wiped out, and you know who did it? Brando did it. So I don't give a shit if you don't like Color Out of Space, and I never make another movie. I've made Color Out of Space, yeah. and that got him another movie because yeah, well, when you I, make a movie like that, that's even if even if you fail with it usually in the long run people still find you know see the value in that and uh i can't wait to see like what 10 years down the line how where this movie sits in the you know whether it it gets this this movie could very well get second lives i think right now it's like the perfect movie for horror fans because it's like the rare modern horror movie that isn't talking down to you or just trying to impress you with like, we figured out something new or this, it just comes in and does its job and doesn't insult your intelligence and doesn't hold your hand through it. As a matter of fact, it sort of puts its hand on your back and shoves you through the whole movie till the (laughs) ending. And, uh, you know, just, it's it's a rare treat. It's like the it's like the horror version of uh, of uh, Fury Road to me, you know. Oh. Where just like, you know, I'm coming out and doing what I do. Here it is, and holy shit. <laughs> yeah. And and George Miller, another person who again he made Happy Feet and he made a bunch of movies that yeah. made an assload of money for kids. But when he got to make the movies he wanted to make. People didn't want to let him make the movies he wanted to make. And now that he made the movie he wanted to make in Fury Road, they're like, oh, shit, this is really good. Like, yeah, I fucking told yeah. you. You just <laughs> didn't listen, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. That's why I, they're that, making, you know, so. Yeah, there's, a, there's a, a, a disheartening lack of, of filmmakers that are just like, uh, you know, here's the movie, it's starting, and you, if you don't like it, get the fuck out. It, it, yeah. I just... Because they usually don't last long. <laughs> they usually yeah. get run out of the business like he did. Yeah. And like if you can if you can if you're so strong of a filmmaker that you can pummel your way to the top with something like like David Lynch. If David Lynch never got fucking the Elephant Man and made, won an Oscar for the Elephant Man, we wouldn't have any of the David he would still be doing like paintings and short 16 millimeter animations you know in his spare time and and, you you could you could take that in a different direction though i mean if george lucas doesn't get you know sometimes you you make the movie you want to do and that makes you so successful that other people emulate it 
Yeah. Okay, you know? yeah, we agree. Yeah. And, and, I mean, like, Lucas and, I mean, all those all those guys out of uh, what was that? They come out all come out of USC, right? Lucas yeah. and Spielberg yeah. and Coppola and all them. American you know, that, that, Right. All yeah. all those guys, you know, that that they went. Well, I'm I'm going to make the movie I want to make. You know, I I do a bad George Lucas impression. That's, but but you know, yeah. it, either either sometimes your auteur catches on. But most of the time, you're right. Most of the time, they 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 get labeled. Oh, he he's 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 a he's troublesome on set. He's a problem oh, to have yeah. around. Yeah, you know, they, end, like, oh, they end up I, more like um, doing that. De Palma. Yeah. They end up you're more right. like the Palma, who has to always. De Palma always has to beat himself, beat his way. From now on, he always has to just like, if he gets a another major motion picture, he's get, he still has to hammer his way back up to it. But right. he's reached yep. he's reached heights several times. You know, he reached his early heights, and then he had his 80s heights. And then after that, he's had to, still had to, you know... I mean, George Lucas, he got so successful that he couldn't make movies that, that, mm-hmm. that exactly like he wanted because he felt like he had, like, responsibility to the kids and stuff. You know, yeah, you could see that and, coming into it. I'm, I'm becoming more like Walt Disney, and I can't do it as dark, uh, you know. So that sort of trapped him. But, like, Richard Stanley's in it in a in a potentially a very sweet spot and right. where he doesn't he doesn't need huge amounts of money to make a movie but the more money you give him he obviously can put every penny into something and that's the thing he was saying about this movie is it's not a very high budget movie for yeah. for Hollywood standards but it looks like it has a lot more money in it than it does it looks like a 100 million dollar movie you know, it looks like they they flew up uh, the cinematographer in from Prague and and, you know, waited till all the perfect times to get all the perfect lighting. And it's just it's it's gorgeously done. And uh, yeah. so hopefully well, I, from I, now on, we'll see another night like nice peak in his career and at least the trilogy. That would be fantastic. Right. Yeah. I mean, think the the part of this also is that it's uh, you know, there's there it 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 it's demonstrative of the fact that filmmaking now with access to technology, you yeah. don't need a hundred million dollar budget to make a film right, that yeah. looks as good as this, that is effective as this. I mean, that that's always been a truism, especially for genre film. It's like, well, you don't need a lot of money if you got a good story, because the genre fans will come for the story, and they'll they'll be willing to overlook or put aside things, you know, it's like, well, it looks good for the budget. That's the euphemism we always use, right? Whereas now with the level of technology that we have, you don't need that. You can, with with the right amount of care and the right amount of talent, the tools are there Mm -hmm. that you can do it. And this Mm -hmm. film is, like I said, it's demonstrative of that because – even even a, even a decade ago, I, w- I would have been one of the pers- one of the people that would have said like, well, you'd have to really change Colorado Space to really make an effective uh, adaptation of that. But the, the 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 filmmaking technology has changed so much, and uh, and we talked about this when we had your um, your friend on to do um, uh, Book of Evil. You know the, oh, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. ability yeah, the the ability of of low budget filmmakers to turn out professional looking modern looking stuff. Has gotten just that 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 uh, the the marginal cost of that has just gotten smaller and smaller and smaller and and now you're taking a guy who's not a you know who, who's made feature films before who's who's done this 
and is a professional. And now he's working on a project that he wants to do that it's taken them years to make. And it's all up there on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Well, like we said, folks, it's, it's definitely one you got to see. You can't, yeah. I mean, we, you can take our word for it. You can read the story, but when you got to see this thing to understand yeah. like what's going on. And um, like I said, it, it's, it's February 25th is when it, it hit. That's the street date for the, uh, the 4k for the Blu-ray for the DVD. It's available streaming. Um, it's, it, it, you know, so watch it sit down and watch it all the way through don't don't try and chunk it up oh i'll watch like the first 10 minutes and nope you gotta watch it no. all the way through you gotta pay attention to what's going on there's tons of stuff in there it's just it's one of the things it's not one of those you're going to want to throw on while you're doing other things like yeah, I, right. I sometimes i'll throw a movie on and i'll be like oh, i've already seen this movie i kind of know what's going on i'll kind of do grade some papers or i'll you know do an answer key i literally put this on i'm like i need to pay attention Yep. Like I just yeah. need to pay attention because there's there's a lot going to happen here. And I knew that before I even started because I was Richard Stanley. But I was like, I, I, I tried. I literally I tried watching it with like while I was eating lunch at school. And I'm like, I can't even follow what's going on here because I'm not paying attention enough. Because it's a rare know, it's a rare thing yeah. to in Vault of Startling. Rare thing in Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror where we're watching something where I'm thinking – Oh, this is cinema. I have to go into cinema mode and pay attention because usually the stuff that we've done that's been like quote unquote cinema has been the stuff that we've least enjoyed. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you know, like usually we usually you have to turn off parts. Of, you have to selectively turn <laughs> off parts of your brain to enjoy certain certain things, you know. And that yeah. and that has an appeal. That's a riot in its own, but not this one. You want to come yeah. in paying attention and yeah you, and ready to to just soak it in don't take any mind-altering substances before you watch this one this or it, do take some mind-altering oh. <laughs> <laughs> Depend, yeah, well. it's it depends on what kind of person you are there are certain kinds of people <clears throat> that might um <laughs> enjoy the enhancement of this movie and 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 go for the shall we say sense around experience well, the, yeah. All, all the I, is, all my people who take some stuff and then they find them three days later just completely wigged out of their skull. Well, oh, I, yeah. I, I was, ta I was taking, I was taking the low grade stuff. I, I like, oh, yeah. I'm not yeah. saying like, I, although if you're that kind of person, say you're a college age kid that likes your psychedelic drugs and like wishes that you could have been in the theater for 2001 burning your face off like your dad was. This is this is a movie to do it, and I say that yeah. knowing that. <laughs> it, except 2001, you walk out going, "Wow, man!" This one, you're gonna walk out going like, yeah. and then you're gonna vomit <laughs> on the on the pavement, and then glimpse eternity. I, the, the only the one thing I do want to say, and, and we've we've alluded to this pretty much the entire time. Um, you know, the I I generally believe that the audience of the vault is a fairly, to use a Lovecraftian <laughs> term, a hard-boiled audience. Okay. <laughs> yes. that, 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 that we have all, you know, we're into certain, certain types of aspects of the genre and that we're not easily shocked and that we're not easily, um, you know, turned off and that sort of thing. This is a film that if you're not hard-boiled, you will have a hard time watching. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I do not... Now here's the thing. Again, maybe if you yeah, want to get boiled, 
This is this, yeah, could, this, this, could be a this one. This one might be the one to push you over. You know, I can look at I, I can look at my history as a horror fan and look at certain films that pushed me to different levels. The first time I saw Cannibal for Row when I was 20, that was one of them. Um, you know, that was one that pushed me into a new level of of understanding of horror and exploitation. Uh, I don't know that this one is just because of again the hard boiled nature of myself at pushing 40, but this is again this, this we always say I don't I don't know well we don't always say it but it's one we we generally understand is know your audience right this is not one that you know uh, you know uh, recently elsewhere on the feed we've been covering a lot of 80s movies and it's like you know what if your wife or your girlfriend doesn't normally like horror movies if you throw on Chopping Mall she'll have a ball laughing with you don't throw on Color Out of Space no. Unless this, you this just is, have that certain kind of like Adams family Gomez <laughs> right. relationship. I mean, no, I'm saying you. no. If if your if your if your significant other is similarly yes. uh, of a similar mindset, by all means, you guys will probably enjoy the hell out of this together. But I'm saying don't don't put this on there. Oh, we're going to convince you to like horror because all you're going to do is revulse yes. the individual. Yeah. That's how well this does at creating that feeling of personal revulsion. So that, that that's that's I mean you can give me, enormous an bad nightmares with this movie like for yeah. for life. <laughs> well, that, that's what I'm, yeah, I mean to me that's an endorsement of the film that it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't back down off of its its um it, its its author's uh, critical uh, viewpoint. This is the author's vision, the the auteur's vision I should say. Excuse me, the filmmaker's vision is is to create this unsettling, uh, upsetting, disruptive, disturbing two hours and it's almost exactly two hours that spools out. And, and again, it's once, once this, the bad shit starts happening, there's just no relief mm-hmm. and, and you feel, you feel it. It's very emotive again, especially if you're the right demographic, you've got a family, then watching this family be torn apart is, is very, very tough, but it's so well made that I, it's, it's hard not to recommend it at the same time, even given all that. Yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest with you. It's like I'm gonna like so so I have this coming on Blu-ray, and I'm gonna and when it comes, I'm be honest, obviously I'm gonna hand it to Dad. They watch this. I'm like this is going to be tough to watch. Mom does not want to watch this with you. Yeah. Give it a just sit sit there and watch this, and he'll be like oh, and he might hate it. I mean, knowing Dad, he might very well hate it. Or he might yeah. love it. Who knows? But like, oh, no, no, it, no, it no. is a, it is it is a crapshoot with Dad. Absolutely. <laughs> no, I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, like, something, like I mean, he hated Hereditary, which I agree with, you know, kind of thing. But it's like, um, and he wouldn't even bother watching Suspiria because he he hated the original Suspiria. Like, he didn't like the original. Some, yeah. yeah. I mean, sometimes it's hard. I mean, like to my dad, he said like, you know, Hellraiser. I don't. He only seen Hellraiser one and two. He's never seen any others. He goes, he goes, they were so disgusting. I never wanted to watch another one. I'm like, yeah. He watches like the hardest R movies ever just like we do kind of thing um so i'm gonna say to him flat out like when you watch this i'm just you gotta sit down and watch it you can't you, there's no bullshit you can't you can't you can't be eating lunch while you're doing just just watch it and just get all the way through it just get to the end and if you don't like it that's fine but just like you i need you to see this because you need because he's he's already he's read the same articles i've read he's been reading about it for months i'm gonna tell him you need to see it to understand what we're talking about here and he might very well love it you know the visuals and everything else might be blown away but he also might say to me this is crap jay i hate this and i'm gonna be honest with you folks we all love it because we're in the right kind of mindset and stuff where we're trying to do this if you don't love 
that kind of stuff. Just like Luke said, this isn't the movie that's going to like drag you into the horror genre. Like this is not what's going to bring you in. I'm just sorry it's not. So you know, but uh, yeah. we will see. As I said, I, I I knew full well that I had to watch this when the girls were out. I couldn't have them here distracting me. I couldn't have. I mean, Kelly wasn't going to watch it with me. I couldn't have Haley here asking me for can i have a cheese stick can i have a an applesauce i'm like you're you know you're old enough now go get them yourself but like the constant <laughs> like i wish i was kidding my daughter eats like there's no tomorrow um yeah she's always um, like Dad, um, i already had i had a cheese stick and an applesauce already what else can i eat in this house like you want a banana yeah i'll have a banana <laughs> like, i'm sorry you, know, I'm you sorry. want me to cut you want me to cut up some carrots for you no <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what's what's funny, Jay, is that this is apropos of nothing. But over the weekend, at my house, we watched Penguins of Madagascar. So I have this image yes. oh, now of her very. It's awesome. Uh, but I just, I just have this image of my niece loudly eating the cheese puffs while you're trying to watch this movie. Just... <laughs> well, no, no, she, no, she, she's not noisy when she's eating, but she likes. I know, but that's just the image I have. I said it's apropos of nothing because it's not based on reality. But that yeah, would be yeah. one of my kids. That'd be like my my youngest daughter eating yeah. cheese puffs as loud as possible while trying to. Watch. I'm just, I'm just saying, I mean, I mean Hales loves like she she loves watching movies and stuff. And she was very excited today. She wanted to watch a movie, but then we wound up, you know, losing a tooth and having to get that taken care of and all that other oh. bullshit, you know? Um, yeah, she but you lost get to eating all those cheese sticks, you know? Yeah, Too no, much she, calcium, that's why your teeth fall out. She lost a tooth because it wasn't quite loose, and now all of a sudden it's out. Um, if you yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's like, is the tooth fairy going to bring me a doll? I was like, man, the tooth fairy needs to bring you a mop. You get blood everywhere. <laughs> um, so, that's like one of my boys it, lost, two, lost two teeth at once. He was, he was happy as a pig in slop. He got $2. Because he lost yeah. two teeth at the same time. <laughs> so, um, but the thing is, like, like this fairy's paying out, guys. You know, <laughs> the you know, so the thing is, so you know, my my daughter loves watching movies and loves the idea of watching stuff and whatever. And she watch she'll watch horror movies with me sometimes. We watch like uh, Happy Death Day to You and um, um, Happy Death Day, whatever. Like those kind of things are fine. I would never let her sit down and watch this, no. at least not until she's much, much older, because yeah. there's no, there's no way that she could comprehend what's on the screen. Um, it would be too upsetting and disturbing to her. I mean, like I literally, she's seen Carpenter's the thing and Carpenter's the thing really upsets her. Not because, like not because she watched because they're humans. It's not the scenes with the, with the, the thing. It's the scenes where they don't trust each other. Where she's like, yeah. "Why are they acting like that? Why don't they trust each other?" Like that bothers her. And this movie's a, the, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's this uh, is a family. The, that's the kind yeah. of tension that yeah. that's not good for kids, you know. Right, right. Somebody right. sneaking up on someone and and killing them is is tension and relief, but it's this is like and and this movie's a family too. It's not exactly. even just a bunch yeah. of guys, yeah. scientists locked yeah. up it's a it's a right. family so it's something you can actually relate to yeah, and there's right. like kids of there's a little kid in it so there's like a little bit of everything for it so yeah so yeah like we said folks this is a movie you got to see you got to take the time and watch it Get, block out two hours you know no no bullshit not not texting on your phone not checking no. facebook not instagramming not tweeting none of that stuff yeah when, when you're all done watching it then Hit us up on Facebook. Well, once you get going with this movie, like, you won't be checking yeah. your watch. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. But right. I'm saying, but some people like cannot cannot disconnect. You need to. It's as weird as it might sound, right? In a movie that literally is about like this, the insanity that's going to happen here. You need to disconnect, 
and from from you know the, you know being so plugged into the world and watch the movie and just yeah. let experience what's happening you know yeah and then when draw, it's done, draw the blinds and, and dim the yeah. lights for this one yeah uh, and i was gonna say and, and depending on again your level of how, how hard-boiled you are you might be studying the back of your couch and see how yeah. the upholstery looks and all yeah. that back there you know yeah. it does, it does. <laughs> If you got alpaca, alpacas, milk them before the movie, not oh, after. If you got alpacas, milk them. Yeah. <laughs> milk them if you got them. I don't... <laughs> the, 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 the scene where he's milking the alpaca and Ward is just looking at him That's... in just absolute like disbelief. He's like, you want to? He offers him the 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 the, the tin cup. Of, of the alpaca milk and he's like no I'm good you yeah. don't hear you miss it and he's just drinking and I'm like Ugh. you know but you know what though sick. haven't That's haven't just... we haven't we all been in situations like that where through no fault of your own you're now in like the most awkward situation yeah. possible and you can't yeah. leave and you're I like I grew up on a farm not... boys yeah but, yeah, but it's like he's, he's I ended not up doing with anything my arm wrong a, I... I ended up Go with ahead. my arm up a cow's vagina one yeah, because yeah. I just had my ex-girlfriend. Huh? No, was it my ex-girlfriend? Oh. Boom! I was I've, gonna I've, say. I've uh... drank, I've drank goat's goat's milk direct from the teat, like spray, 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 right in the mouth when I was a little kid. But I was a little kid, and I'd do anything. I didn't give a shit. It's like, oh, <laughs> I was gonna say, uh, you know, now, uh, I would You'll, you'll get now. that on your big jobs with the the cow vagina. You'll have that. So. <laughs> Someday I'll someday I'll give a graphic description of that and it's uh it's let me it hey man let me tell you something I went I went to Clemson okay and and any of y'all that might <laughs> well, be from know southeast about... no no but listen because Clemson is an agriculture I mean it started as an, oh, yeah. as a military school but it has a strong agricultural tradition I had an English class with a dude who was a an agricultural studies major and he was taking animal husbandry mm. and. And he and he came into class one day and he just sat down, like you know you get that like thousand yard stare. He looked like he had just been in combat. Oh, and I said, dude, what the hell? He's like, man, because I just had my arm up to my elbow up the business end of a cow's ass. Yep. Oh, up and the I'm ass. Like, Ooh. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. They were doing that, and they had the, you know, the glove that goes up to your bicep. That's what I, I was wearing the glove. Ass, and it's like, holy shit. <laughs> literally I was, I was wearing the glove but i was I, like like i had my arm in there and then boom it was on a calf's head you know you could feel oh, the yeah. calf's head in there and then yep. and then mama mama gripped <laughs> and oh, then boy. i was like i can't pull my arm out and he's like oh she'll let go in a minute but uh yeah so oh, there you go but uh is, uh... that's what i mean there, there's there's some crazy shit out there and that's how <laughs> i gotta mean that that cow cow is one type of them, but yeah. The, but the, this this movie again, cra- crazy shit again is is kind of this movie stock and trade. The crazy shit just starts and and doesn't let up. And I I think we I I don't know if uh, like I said we, we can't explain it to you. I think if if this concept sounds interesting, if you like H.P. Lovecraft, uh, please you're in give, hog give heaven. A, yeah, give yourself if an opportunity to watch Color Out of Space, and then. I would also say if you haven't read The Color Out of Space, please go check that out as well. It'll yeah, I mean you yeah. can pound it out in an afternoon. I was I was going to say read it first 
Yeah. Because then the you can be it, like, how are they going to make this into a movie? And then yeah, you can so actually see it happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. 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 I agree. So, all right, folks. All right. Any final thoughts on Color Out of Space? I think we've hit a lot of it. I mean, it's we've said what we I think we've all kind of put it over. We've all you know, been. It's just a color. Yeah, it's just a color. Just a yeah. color. I'll bet you can get $50 for that meteor. (laughs) Meteor shit. (laughs) Yeah, that's what this movie basically is. Meteor shit. Oh, boy. The meteor shit hits a fan. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds about right. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. Dumbass. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Do you have any idea how much those animals cost us? They are alpacas. Alpacas.